Welcome to St. Mark's N4, a church in the heart of Finsbury Park. For more information, visit our website. We can also be found on social media too. We look forward to seeing you at one of our services really soon. Good to see you. Good to be with you this morning, and a privilege to preach. Um, just a quick notice before before I start. Um, there's an Arsenal football match today, and so if you if you've driven in but you don't live in this particular Islington parking zone, this is parking zone J, um, then you'll need a permit um, from 12 o'clock. Um, Darren's got permits that we we're very happy to give you um, if if that's something that you need. So just yeah, just go and see Darren, and uh, he'll sort you out. Um, this morning we continue our series. Um, the series is called I Believe, and we're going through the creed. Um, the creed is a summary of what Christians believe about God. And today, we focus on the part of the creed about Jesus' death and resurrection. And we'll see from our passage in 1 Corinthians that Jesus definitely died and that Jesus definitely rose from the dead. Um, but first, let me tell you a story about a younger version of me, a younger Leo, um, during my days as a student, um, I would have called myself a Christian, but definitely during my late teens, during my early 20s, I was definitely a massive rebel. I was a massive sinner. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard sin explained. Um, I was actually on a children's camp fairly recently as an adult, and I heard this explanation of sin. I thought, oh, it's really good. Um, they explained sin as S-I-N. S, shove off God. I, I'm in charge, N, no to your rule, S-I-N, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your rule. And honestly, as a teenager, as somebody in my early 20s, this was my attitude to God. I was doing whatever I wanted, and God had no say over my life back then. But then, um, I came across this book. Um, so this is a case for Christ, it's on the PowerPoint as well. Um, this is a book on the evidence for Jesus' death and resurrection. Basically, the book makes a really good case that Jesus definitely died and that he definitely rose again. And the author, Lee Strobel, so he wasn't a Christian um, and he had a background as, in law. He was a law journalist and his wife became a Christian and he was really angry about that. And so he decided to look into the evidence for Jesus's death and resurrection. And then to his surprise, all the evidence points to, yes, Jesus did rise from the dead. So if you want a Sherlock Holmes-style sort of approach to investigating the evidence for death being defeated, I'd highly recommend this book. Um, for me, that book was the wake-up call that I needed. I realized that after reading this book, I needed to take God much more seriously. I admitted my sin to God, and I turned back to, to him, accepted his rule over my life. And so today's topic, Jesus' death and resurrection, it's a major fact of the Christian life, and personally speaking for me, it's a major part of my story too. Um, so let's think about what the Bible has to say on Jesus' death and resurrection. So verse one, verse one. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, by this good news, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And what is this gospel? What is this good news? The next bit of the passage tells us, verse three, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried. And so here's our first point today. We've got two points, and the first one is Jesus definitely died. We knew that Jesus died because verse 3, the scriptures predicted it. Um, The Old Testament said it would definitely happen. You get verses in the Old Testament, like this one in Isaiah 53. Hopefully it'll come up. Um, I'll read it for us. Isaiah 53. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. So this verse, 700 years before Jesus came on earth, the prophet Isaiah predicted that the Messiah would come and he would meet the grave he would die. In fact, pretty much everyone in history uh, sees Jesus' death as a fact. Everyone agrees there was a chap called Jesus. He called himself the Son of God. Um, Pretty much all historians agree that this chap called Jesus was killed by the Romans, and as the creed puts it, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. So for example, um, on this slide, here are two non-Christian historians who definitely did not think that Jesus was the Messiah, Tacitus and Josephus. They did not think that Jesus was the Son of God, but even they report that Jesus was a real man who walked on the earth, who was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Jesus definitely died. Pretty much nobody disputes this. Now, why does it matter that Jesus definitely died? Because the Bible also claims that Jesus rose from the dead, And if you think about it, in order to actually rise from the dead, you actually first need to die. The remarkable Christian claim that Jesus beat death cannot be true if he actually never died. And so let's get on to our second point. Point two, Jesus definitely rose from the dead. If the first point was that Jesus definitely died, our second point is that Jesus definitely rose from the dead. And let's see that in our Bible reading from verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, you know, so he's definitely dead. Then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So the Old Testament testified that Jesus would die, but he, the Old Testament also testifies that Jesus would rise from the dead. And so here is a verse from Psalm 16 that predicts that the Messiah would definitely rise from the dead. These words on the screen are about God's eternal king from the line of David. So the Messiah says, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Instead, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, God with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So I hope you see this is God's Messiah not seeing decay, instead having eternal life with the joy and pleasure of God's presence. And this was predicted, again, hundreds of years before Jesus came and walked on the earth. But in our passage today, Paul gives even more reasons to believe that Jesus definitely rose from the dead. So he keeps going. Verse 5 He lists a lot of witnesses who saw Jesus alive. He appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 disciples. Cephas is Peter, Peter the apostle. Cephas is basically Peter's name in Aramaic. Peter is Greek. 
Cephas, Aramaic, same guy. Peter was a disciple who said to Jesus, yeah, 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 I'll definitely die for you, Jesus. And then when the soldiers came to arrest him, he ran away. Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times, and then the cock crowed. But Jesus rose from the dead, and then he appeared to Peter and to the 12 disciples, lots of eyewitnesses. And then, verse 6, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Now, this is really cool. Paul is saying that over 500 people saw Jesus alive after his death. So back in those days, if you weren't sure whether Jesus rose from the dead, there were over 500 people who saw Jesus risen. So at the time Paul wrote his letter, some of the eyewitnesses had died, some of them had died, but most were still alive. And if you had doubts, you could actually go along and talk to them and say, did you see Jesus? And they'd say, yes. Now, just to illustrate that, for a moment, just look around the church building. Just clock roughly how many people there are around the church building. It's really full today. It's really encouraging. Now, 500 people is roughly seven more, sorry, not six more uh, St. Mark's. So imagine seven St. Mark's worth of people. That's roughly 500 eyewitnesses. So imagine you were, you were alive at the time when the Bible was written, when this letter was written, and you weren't sure, did Jesus really rise from the dead? You could go and talk to seven times this congregation. That's how many eyewitnesses saw Jesus alive. And in verse 6, um, the language of having fallen asleep, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, those have fallen asleep. The reason why Paul says this is that he knows that Christians who trust in Jesus need not fear death. Even if Christians die, it's like they're sleeping. Because when Jesus returns, they will be raised from the dead as if Jesus is just waking them up. So it's a really cool way of thinking about a, a Christian who dies. Because Jesus defeated death, we can be confident that he will raise us all to life as long as we're trusting in Jesus. Uh, Paul then continues in verse 7 with more eyewitnesses. Verse 7, he then appeared to James, and then all the apostles, and then last of all, he appeared to me, Paul, as to one abnormally born. And the reason it's significant that Jesus appeared to Paul is that unlike the other disciples, Paul started off as an enemy of Christ. So Peter, James, and John, these guys all liked Jesus from the start. They left behind their fishing boats to join Jesus right from the start. But Paul, Paul hated Jesus. Paul hated Christians. He tried to persecute them. Paul highly approved of Christians being killed. And so Paul needed Jesus to actually meet him on the road to Damascus in order for Paul to repent and to become a Christian. Anyway, in our passage today, there are just so many witnesses who saw Jesus alive. Jesus definitely rose from the dead. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, I've heard all this before. Why does it matter that Jesus rose? Why should I care that Jesus definitely rose from the dead? Let me read some verses from later in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Here's why you should care. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we're then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but 
he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we Christians are of all people most to be pitied. Uh, Let me just focus in on that last verse, verse 19. This is a summary of all those verses. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, Christians are of all people most to be pitied. Here's the point. If we only have this life, if there is no eternal life, then Christians are to be pitied. You see, Christians are called to take up our crosses, to make sacrifices for others. Some Christians lose their reputation. Some lose their friends and family. Some lose their jobs. In some places in the world, not London, but in some places in the world, Christians even lose their lives for being Christians. So if there's no resurrection, if this life is all there is, what's the point of making these sacrifices? What's the point of losing your friends and family if this life is all there is? What's the point of getting persecuted or worse? My mother's not a Christian, and she frequently begs me not to do ministry. She tells me instead to get a real job. Now, if there's no resurrection, then my mom kind of has a point. And if there's ever a time that we know that we need death to be defeated, we need somebody to have confronted death and come through the other side, surely it's now, surely it's after two years of COVID. We've all been living under this shadow of death, this shadow of COVID-19. Aren't you sick of hearing the phrase, I'm self-isolating? COVID has been such a shadow. Uh, Let me tell you about one of my friends, Dave. Um, Dave has always struggled with anxiety, with mental health. And before COVID, he was really good at managing his anxiety. So he made sure that he always saw his friends often. He'd actually put them in the diary, almost in a brutal way, just to make sure that he didn't sink below his threshold of mental health and just spiral downwards. But with the lockdown of 2020, as, as March 2020 came, as the summer went, as the winter came, Dave really started missing that face-to-face interaction and his mental health deteriorated. There's only so much value in a Zoom call. One of the things Dave did um, was, as his anxiety got worse is he checked himself into a mental health hospital, a mental hospital. And then in that hospital, one of the things they were supposed to do to help was group therapy. But even then he struggled because the group therapy that they did had to be on Zoom. So there they are, all in their individual hospital rooms, on tablets, talking to each other. COVID has also meant that we've confronted the harsh reality of death. I'm sorry to say that some of you will have lost loved ones. Others of you will know that Um, You'll know people who've had to shield due to having underlying health conditions. Now, again, isn't that another phrase that we didn't use before COVID, underlying health conditions? But Jesus is the answer to COVID. Jesus is the answer to death. Jesus defeated death by rising from it. Jesus has gone through death and come out the other side, which means that we can be sure as Christians that eternal life is possible. For all trusting in Jesus, we will be raised with him in glory. So then, what practical things can
can we do? What are the action points that you can go away and do this morning? Um, can I suggest three different outboxes? Um, firstly, I wonder if for some of us today, it might, like 20-year-old like me, today might be a good time to examine our own lives. Are there any sins we're holding on to? Are there any ways in which we're saying to God, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your rule? If that's you, it'd be really good to confess your sin to God in prayer, knowing that Jesus died to forgive us our sins. Jesus really did die. He really did pay the price for sin. All we have to do is come to him and receive forgiveness, receive his grace. And so if there are any ways in which we're far away from God this morning, can I urge you to come back to Jesus, knowing that he definitely died to save sinners like you and like me. Now, secondly, if you want to find out a bit more about the evidence for Jesus' death and resurrection, if you're looking into Christianity and you haven't committed yet, I can highly recommend uh, this book to you. As I said, I personally found this book really encouraging. It was a major turning point in my life, my journey, as I read this book. And actually, I've got a stack. I've got a whole box of books available here. And so if you want a free copy, just come up at the end of the service, and I'd be very happy to give you one of these books as a gift. So if you want to have a sort of Sherlock-style investigation into the facts, I'd highly recommend this book. And then finally, um, the third outbox. There might be some here today who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus, but would like to. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, but today's the day that you feel ready, then I'd like to pray a short prayer with you this morning. It's a prayer to become a Christian, and it's very simple. It's an A-B-C prayer. A stands for admit. To become a Christian, you need to admit to God that you're a sinner. So that's A, admit. B stands for believe. You'd say to God that you believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you from sin. You believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And then C, C stands for commit. You'd commit to living a new life with Jesus as your Lord. Instead of saying, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your rule, you'd commit to having Jesus in charge of your life. So A, B, C, admit, believe, commit. So if you'd like to become a Christian today, let me lead you in prayer. Let's bow our heads, and if you'd like, echo these, these words in your hearts. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner and I've turned away from you. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I believe that he rose from the dead so I can have eternal life. And I commit to living a new life with Jesus as my Lord. In his name, amen. Um, do look up there. If you prayed that prayer this morning, then can I just say congratulations. Welcome to Jesus's family. It's great to have you join us. Um, please let someone know. Let someone know that you've committed your life to Christ so that we can help you in your next steps of your journey. It's really great that you've committed your life to Jesus. Uh, we're now going to respond to God's word in song. Uh, so please stand as we sing of God's matchless grace and mercy.